All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you're new, this is your first Sunday at GRX. My name's Scott. I'm the pastor here. And um, I've got a little illustration I'll share with you guys. All right, these are a bunch of pool noodles, and uh, you know our theme has been discipleship, and our, our ministry year theme has been jump in, using sort of a pool party or swimming uh, illustrations to jump in to discipleship relationships. So I brought some uh, pool noodles uh, for an illustration. Uh, but before I get to the, the pool noodles and why I brought that uh, up, I actually had an opening question for you guys. And so it'll be up here on the screen. A little reflective question. What is your favorite Jesus story? Think about that for a little bit. Could be a parable, like the parable of the prodigal son or parable of the sower. It could be an actual Jesus story encounter, like... Jesus healing the blind man, Jesus healing a paralytic, woman at the well. I'll give you about 10 seconds to just reflect, think a little bit. What's your favorite Jesus story? All right, just for fun, I'm not going to ask you to expand on it or anything like that, but um, anybody feeling brave and just want to say, hey, you know, this is my favorite Jesus story, and then just like shout it out, it's your favorite Jesus story. I'm not going to ask you any follow-up questions, but just be brave. Yeah, Lily. Jesus helped a prostitute from getting stoned. All right, thank you. Thank you. Cool. Anyone else? Marcus, I saw your hand. Yeah, I thought maybe you should say more. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Woo. All right. Maybe you guys should chat about that afterwards or anything like that. That was awesome. That was awesome. I did not even plan that. You guys feel like I planted that. No, that was fantastic. And thank you guys for sharing. We each have our own Jesus stories. And I've been... Uh, talking with different people at GRX about this as part of our discipleship. So I've got a little game for you guys. Um, I asked this among staff, what is your favorite Jesus story? And this person, I'm going to have you see if you can guess which of our staff people uh, this was. So I said, what's your favorite Jesus story? And this staff person said, it's Zacchaeus, Jesus and Zacchaeus. He's up in the tree. Um, Jesus was an outsider, I mean, Zacchaeus was an outsider, and Jesus noticed that Zacchaeus was an outsider, and he saw Zacchaeus up in the tree, and Jesus called him by name, and then brought Zacchaeus down, and they had this face-to-face conversation, and Zacchaeus really cared for him, brought him in, even though he's an outsider, and uh, it's really encouraging. Uh, and so, uh, uh, okay, and I'll give you a, a little clue. Then. Well, I, they said, I also like him because he was short. 
Okay. All right. That's what they said. Okay. So, any guesses? Who do you think on our GRX staff, that was their favorite Jesus story? Who said Jen Tang? Who said Jen Tang? Okay, I'm not going to embarrass you at all. I'm not going to embarrass you. Um, but the person who got the correct answer, um, his initials are Justin Chen. Um, <laughs> yes, it was Jen. What is it about the Jesus story? Um, it's Jen. Now, if you know Jen, Jen is someone who pays attention to people. Jen is someone who knows people's names. Jen is someone who welcomes and brings in the outsider. What I'm trying to illustrate here is that the Jesus stories that are our personal favorite stories, those are the stories that really resonate with who we are. They're they're the stories that resonate with what is God doing in us and what God is creating in our lives. And so in terms of discipleship, we've been looking at these different discipleship relationships that we have with one another. And if you're discipling someone, something cool that you can talk about is what is your favorite Jesus story? What is yours? You can share that. And you can ask the person that you're discipling, what is theirs? And I think what you'll discover is what I've been discovering with staff and leadership team and life group leaders when we do this activity, that the Jesus story that they choose, the one that most resonates with their their life actually gives you clues and hints and insights into what God is actually doing in their life and how God is growing them and how God is using them and what God is doing in them. It's just kind of a cool thing. And I think that's why these Jesus stories resonate with us because God is somehow using them to bless us but also using them for us to bless other people. So what we're going to do in the next few weeks here at GRX is talk about some of these uh, favorite Jesus stories. And today, I'm going to share with you one of my favorite, all-time favorite stories, and it comes out of Luke chapter 8. And the same uh, title of this message is really what I see in this Jesus story in Luke 8. And I see that Jesus takes time for people. Luke chapter 8, there's a lot of stuff in there, but this one Jesus story I'm going to share, I see that Jesus takes time for people. I'm going to read a larger section of scripture, and the story that for me is a favorite story is actually the inner story of two stories. This section actually begins with a story, and then there's an inner story, and then the story, the second story uh, sort of ends. It's sort of like a, a bookend kind of thing. But my favorite one is the one right in the middle. It's the one where there's a woman, and she has a a 12-year flow of blood. She has an illness. And she, uh, well, you'll see, you'll see. Luke chapter 8, verses 40, starting at verse 40 and going to verse 56. I'm going to read the whole thing. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he, had only, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. 
as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he, Jesus, said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And then verse 51 continues. And when he came to the house, this is Jesus, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So there's a lot that I just read there, but there's really two stories. I mean, the scene begins, a leader from, a religious leader, a leader in the synagogue, comes and says, hey, my daughter is dying can you come to my house? There's a crowd all around Jesus. So Jesus starts heading to the house. That's the first part of the first story. And then along the way, there's an interruption. Along the way, there's this whole crowd and then the interruption. And there's a woman. She has this 12-year discharge of blood or a flow of blood for 12 years. And this, this would have made her uh, culturally, ceremonially, religiously unclean because blood in that time was considered something that was unclean. And so because she constantly had this blood, she was constantly considered, quote-unquote, unclean. And that would put her outside of the community. People wouldn't want to associate with her because if they associate with her, then they would also be unclean and then they wouldn't be able to do the cultural, religious sorts of clean activities that, that they were that they were wanting to do. So because of her, she was, she, was, uh, she was on the outside, she was an outsider, and people wouldn't relate to her. People wouldn't want to connect with her, wouldn't spend time with her. But she sees Jesus, she sees the big crowd, and there's all these people around, but she just reaches through and touches the fringe of his clothing, the edge of his clothing, and immediately she's made well. And then Jesus stops, says, what happened? There's some power that went out from me. And Peter says, wait, 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 all these people are pressing in on you. Jesus says, no, 
Everyone denies it. I, I didn't touch you. I didn't touch you. And then the woman comes. Jesus sees her. Jesus blesses her. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. And that's the interaction. I love that story. But then it goes on. More people from the house come and say, oh, don't bother Jesus anymore because your daughter is dead. Your, the daughter is, is dead. Don't come. Don't come, Jesus. Sorry about that. Don't come. This is the second part of the, second, the second part of the first story. Don't come, but Jesus says, it's all right, it's all right. And then fast forward to the end, Jesus heals her. Now, the two stories, I'm going to focus on the inside one. And I'm going to give six very brief reflections on taking time for people and what we can learn, what we can see, and what we see in this passage. Six very brief reflections on to take time for people. All right, so the first thing that I think we see from this interior story, that to take time for people is number one, it can feel like an interruption. Jesus was interrupted by this woman. People can feel like an interruption. I mean, if you think about Jesus and if he was focused on the task at hand, his task was to get to this ruler's house so that he can go heal her daughter. And her daughter is dying. Like, that's the task. But instead, we see that Jesus allows himself to be interrupted. Interrupted from the task. You know, many years ago, when we were uh, working as missionaries in Asia, there was always more stuff to do than we could ever get done. We were working at a hospital. There was always stuff to do around the hospital. There's always like uh, trainings that you had to prepare for and there's like fundraising that you had to do and you had to, there's so much, there's infrastructure. And this is a big hospital. There's like all these tasks that you had to do. Stuff that needed to get cleaned, stuff had to get worked out. Short-term teams had to get all coordinated, emails, and invariably, someone would always come and knock on your door, or you're trying to get something done, and someone would come up to you, or you, and you're trying to go somewhere else, and someone would interrupt you. And you'd be like, ah, I can't get my stuff done. Because like every single person on this entire area is like coming into my house or coming into my office, coming in, and you're just getting really frustrated because you can't get anything done because you keep getting interrupted. And at one point, there was a missionary who shared this thought. They said, why don't you think of it like you have a ministry of interruption? Have you ever thought that maybe the people that are interrupting you that are actually from this country are the very people that God wants you to love? Have you ever thought that the people that are wanting to talk to you aren't obstacles to overcome, but are actually the very people that God wants you to pay attention to and to love? The ministry of interruption. I think, that's, I, think that's, I think that's what we're seeing here. Jesus is not irritated by the interruption, not frustrated, but he is responding 
in this way, the ministry of interruption. Okay, so reflection number two. To take time for people is inefficient. To take time for people is inefficient. Now, just look at what Jesus did here. He's trying to get to the house. He stops. And he says, hey, power has gone out from me. Like the whole parade, the whole crowd, everybody, all the disciples, they grind to a halt while he's standing there in the middle of the road saying, who touched me? Who touched me? Power went out from me. And the scripture says, everyone denied it. Oh, not me, not me, Jesus. I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you. Nope, nope, I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you. And they waited, right? How long would it take for everyone to deny it? Jesus is just waiting. Like you're waiting right now. Get on with it. Inefficient. Jesus was being very inefficient to take time. And then finally, finally, the woman came. Now, have you ever thought about people? I, I had this epiphany when I was preparing this message. People are inefficient. Machines are efficient, but people are inefficient. This woman took a long time to get there, a long time. And finally, when she realized that she couldn't escape notice, finally she came. Finally she came. You know, I was thinking about how much we value efficiency. And I don't know if this is true for you. I value efficiency. If you live in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, I bet at your workplace they value efficiency. I bet maybe you value efficiency at least as much as, as I do. And something that really bugs me is when I'm trying to get gas at Costco. I think if you ever try to get gas at Costco, you might know where I'm going with this. Okay, at Costco, there's three pumps. There's three pumps that you line up for, and every line has three pumps. Now, the most efficient way to pump gas at Costco is all three people finish, and all three people drive off, and then the next three people in line all drive up, to pumps one, two, and three, and then they all pump their gas, and then they all leave. That is efficient. What drives me crazy, what drives me crazy is that the last person in line pulls out, because they're done first, and then the first person waiting in line pulls right up to that spot. And then the other two people eventually leave, and then all of us in the back have to like go around this last person to get in and try to back into the gas, the gas area. Okay, maybe you don't have that problem. I get really bugged by that. I get so inefficient. People are super inefficient. But that's, if you're going to take time for people, you have to recognize that people are inefficient. Okay, the third reflection, third reflection. To take time for people can be irritating and frustrating. As if these other two things weren't going to obviously lead to this third point. Right? Are you ever irritated and frustrated when you're spending time with people? <laughs> Is it because they're inefficient or because they're interrupting you? Because what I love in this story is that actually Jesus, uh, not Jesus, but Peter, Peter is the one who embodies number three. 
to take time for people can be irritating and frustrating. All these people are stopped in the story. Jesus says, I know power has gone out with me. Everyone denies it. And then Peter jumps in. I think he's irritated. He says, Master. He says, Jesus, Jesus, Master, can't you see how the crowd is pressing in on us? You know that word, pressing in on us? It means to choke out or to throttle. Can't you see that the crowd is choking us? This, this is the same word in the parable of the sower when it says that the seed was sown among the soil that has weeds in it and the, the weeds grew up and choked out the good plant and killed it. This is the same word for choking out, pressing in. So Peter says, can't you see that the crowd is pressing in on us? Jesus, all kinds of people are touching you. Can we just get on with it? Can we just get on with it? I see this over here. I know you guys are touching each other over here. I know, they're touching you, pressing in on you, choking me. Nobody's choking each other in the youth over here, choking each other. Yeah, I know you guys are touching each other. It's like, it's pressing in on me, pressing in on me. And Peter is irritated, frustrated. Jesus, we got a task. This woman's interrupting us. It's inefficient. We're waiting for who touched you. Everybody's touching you. I don't know if Peter was sarcastic. If I was Peter, I'd be sarcastic. Okay. All these people, all these people, irritating and frustrating. So these are three things about to take time for people. But the cool thing is that we also see three other things that are amazing about taking time for people. And I'm going to touch on these very quickly. Number four, when we take time for people, Taking time for people brings blessing. Taking time for people brings blessing. And this is what we see with Jesus. And Jesus waited and waited and waited for the woman to come forward. She finally came forward and she was trembling and she was scared. She was used to being an outsider. And so she came trembling at his feet. And, he sh- and she shared what happened, that she was healed. She shared why she did it, because she had this, she, this, has been this 12-year flow of blood. And, and look at what Jesus says. Jesus calls her daughter, a term of inclusion. You are with us. You are my daughter. You're not an outsider. You're my daughter. And then he encourages her. Your faith has made you well. And then he blesses her. He says, go in peace. That all happens because Jesus takes time to bless her. You know, here at GRX, like when we take time for one another, there is blessing that emerges. It surprises us. When we have food fellowship together and you sit with someone, you take time to eat with someone, it's great. There's blessing that's there. You have someone over for lunch. Maybe someone over for dinner. Maybe you don't even know them that well. They're part of the community. You're getting to know them. There's blessing that happens there. There's blessing that happens when we take time for people. All right, point number five. When we take time for people, God is still God. God is still God. When we take time for people, God is still God. What what am I trying to say here? 
It'd be like, it'd be like Jesus going, oh, no, 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 I got to get to that house. I can't pause for this interruption because if I don't get there, she might die. God is still God. Jesus didn't need to rush the house because God is still God. When you take time for people and you're feeling up against it, like maybe you don't feel like you have time for people, maybe you need to trust that God is still going to be God and that you can take time for the person who God has brought to you right in that moment and trust that the future thing that you have to take care of, that God will help you take care of that too. Because in the story, the bigger story, they said, the daughter died. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Jesus, I know you, you, you got interrupted here by this woman, but you're too late. You don't need to come. And Jesus says, no, I'm still going. God is still God. I'm still going. When we take time for people, we remember that God is still God. And the last thing, number six, this is the last point. When we take time for people, we are like Jesus. When we take time for people, we are like Jesus. When you think about Jesus, he always took time for people. He takes time for children. He takes time for people who are wounded and injured and blind and paralyzed. Jesus takes time for the rich and the powerful. He takes time for the prostitute. He takes time for the woman that's about to be stoned. He takes time for women and men. He takes time for religious leaders, the important people. And he takes time for the religious outcasts, the unimportant people. And because Jesus takes time for people, we are like him when we do the same. Because Jesus took time for people, we are like him when we do the same. So uh, my encouragement for you this week, this is the last slide I've got. My encouragement for you this week is take time for people. It's the name of the message. Take time for people and love them. And if you want to, you can share your favorite Jesus story with them. Maybe the person that you're discipling. Maybe the person that you've jumped into the pool with. You can share your favorite Jesus story. Oh, oh, last thing, last thing. What's up with the pool noodles? <laughs> What's up with the pool noodles? Hey, I am so glad you asked. What's up with the pool noodles? So these pool noodles, these pool noodles are like the Jesus story, right? They're all pool noodles, so they're all like Jesus stories. But your favorite pool noodle might be green and mine might be blue. Your favorite Jesus story might be Luke 8, or your favorite Jesus story might be the prodigal son, or your favorite Jesus story might be the woman uh, caught in adultery. Um, so that's, that's the idea. These are all sorts of flotation devices to help us in discipleship. Uh, maybe you get out your uh, favorite pool noodle color and favorite Jesus story and share it with the person that you're discipling. And they might have their own favorite Jesus story that will also resonate with them, 
it'll be a little different. It'll look a little different. Um, but see if, as you guys share, if God blesses you because you're taking time for each other. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you love us and that you give us all these stories for us to learn about you and also learn about ourselves. God, I pray that you would bless us and help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.